He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. You know, all the time I've investors that, well, how can I trust that you're not just the next real estate agent trying to make the next sale? And I'm like, it would hurt my business so bad to sell an investment property to somebody that wasn't successful. Sign up bad cheerleaders out there. And that's why you'll never see anybody out there complaining about right. us because we really do as much work as we can up front. We can't solve everything. We can't predict everything. Yeah. But we do as much of the hard work upfront before somebody buys a property in trying to pick that property apart. If there's any reason or any inclination that we think that property is not going to really kill it in this market, in this climate, then we're, we're going to tell them that. We're going to tell them, don't buy that property. We'll wait. We'll find the next one. I think that's really the genius behind being in a lot of different areas. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, let's begin. Welcome back to the podcast. I would love to introduce you to Vintory and Safely. About Vintory, we've had Brooke Fotts on the podcast, who is a founder, multiple times, and him and his team know numbers. They know data and they know marketing. They know how to help property managers just like you scale and grow their business by adding more inventory, aka more homes, into your rental program that drive the bottom line. For all of you listeners that want to learn how to scale and grow your inventory, you can get a free digital copy of Brooke's book called From Zero to 500 Properties in Five Years. And for an added bonus, if you would do a demo of the Vintory platform, you'll get a $50 gift card to Amazon. Now that's a sick deal. And now to touch on our friends at Safely.com. Safely.com helps property managers just like you and I protecting the homes that they manage from structural damage to content damage and of course bodily injury. This means plates, linens, cups, couches, tables, curtains, walls, and of course your guests themselves are protected. And this helps you by scaling your company in order to ensure that you are retaining owners and inventory in your program. If anything is broken or if anyone is hurt, you are able to make a claim through Safely and within three business days you can get instantly paid out to replace any items and settle any claims that happen on site without having to deduct from your owner's payouts. That's why I call these guys the dynamic sponsor duo. And thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Check out their offers in the show notes and back to the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. And I'm here with the one, the only Tyler Kuhn, who is the founder of Savvy Realty. And Tyler, I think this is kind of crazy and a little bit backwards on how we've been working together and collaborating. You've been a great partner of ours for quite a while, almost a year, I would say. And now we're finally getting you on the show. So I'm just excited to have you on and hear your story on actual recording rather than just texting and emailing and getting to chat one-on-one separately. This is going to be a yeah. fun one. So thanks yeah, for no, being on the podcast. Of course. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. And I think actually we're going to meet for the first time in like two weeks, right? At the short-term rental wealth conference. Yes, sir. I can't wait. It's uh, yeah. Let's just say I have a lot in store for that, that conference. So get ready to <laughs> see some exciting things, but I'm sure you do too. Shout out to yeah. Bill Faith and, and Mike Shogren. But like, that's the coolest part about this whole industry is that I think we all meet technically on the virtual side of things first. Like we all yeah. connect through a friend, through a friend, through a friend, or through a post, or a viral piece of content through a podcast. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, a year and a half later, two years later, whatever the time frame is, now we're going to meet in person. Yeah. My family thinks it's complete weird. Like They're like, you don't know these people that you're meeting for the first time? It's like, well, I've known them for two years, but you know, it's a little different. Last year at the conference, I, I had uh, clients texting me because, you know, through COVID, nobody was meeting each other. So we hadn't met most of our short-term rental clients that we had sold real estate to, sold short-term rentals to here in North Carolina. And uh, so we had people texting us. They were running around. They had Googled a photo of me and they were running around trying to match it to my face. And I'm getting text messages like, where are you in the building? But then, you know, when you're running around and talking to people, you're not looking at your 
microphone, so I would be in different spots. So I'm really excited because we're going to be a little bit more visible this year. We've got these cool backpacks that my staff is going to be wearing that, you know, say, come talk to Savvy. So if you are coming to the Build Short-Term Rental Wealth Conference, we're sponsoring the Welcome Party. We're really excited about that. Thank you, Bill, for letting us do that. And uh, we'll be super visible. So please come and say hello. We really want to meet everybody that's coming. No, I love it. That's so that's so smartest way to do it. It's like you can sponsor a booth or you can get creative and have fun and get out in the crowd and be boots on the ground. And uh, I, I'm a fan of that way. The savvy yeah. way, I'm going to call it. <laughs> yeah, that's but savvy, you, right. Exactly. Yeah. You mentioned already, you know, selling short term rental properties to clients and a little bit about your team. So for anyone who's listening to the podcast today, can you explain one, what you guys do at Savvy Realty, but then also how did you get in? Like, what was the initial aha, like, oh my gosh, I need to get into short-term rentals and going into the story of where you are today. Yeah. So my name is Tyler Kuhn, founder of Savvy Realty. And I'll start with where, where I started and then who we are today. So quite a few years ago, I just as a regular residential real estate agent, decently, mildly successful, right? I was doing okay for myself. And we had a, a, a regular real estate team working with first-time homebuyers and people moving to and from Asheville, where we're located here in Western North Carolina, and met a doctor who I ended up selling eight short-term rentals to from Myrtle Beach. And I really, really liked the process. I was also really, really good at it. We got him some awesome deals that he still owns most of today, and they're just pumping out really, really good numbers. And... I liked it so much that I went to my business partner at the time and I said, listen, I think there's an opportunity here. I think we need to niche down and only sell short-term rentals. And he came to me and he said, you're crazy. This is never going to work. We also already spent years building this real estate team. What's going to happen uh, with that? And you know, I'm like, throw caution in the wind. So me and my business partner parted ways. He called me crazy. He didn't think it was going to work. And, you know, fast forward to 2022, I just won an award for the number one real estate agent in North and South Carolina, not just the number one short-term rental agent, but literally the number one agent. And all I do is short-term rentals. So kind of niching down to short-term rentals, which is such a small sub-segment, even of the investor market as a whole. What I found over time was my investors were telling me, one, they were having the best real estate process transaction process with me than they had ever had before. And that's because I hold myself to really high standards. And yeah. so I want my clients to have the best, you know, transaction and the best experience possible. Two, I found that in the short-term rental investing world, there was a problem where investors wouldn't go to an area where they didn't feel they had a really good agent in. And so I said, we can solve that problem. I can just replicate my process throughout the U.S., so today, what Savvy Realty looks like and our goal for the next few years is to continue building out, hiring, and training real estate agents throughout the country that can offer the same kind of repeatable, high-level real estate experience that investors really come to expect and be able to continue to help our investors find really profitable short-term rentals all over the country. So today, we're in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, in the Bourbon Trail of Kentucky, I'm here personally in Western North Carolina and Asheville in the high country market, which is Boone and Blowing Rock, uh, Banner Elk Beach Mountain area. And here in the near future, we're looking at adding in uh, Eastern Kentucky and Tennessee as well. So pretty big things coming. Really, really excited, especially about our Gatlinburg agent, who I have been called the Gatlinburg hater before. And uh, so we're really excited to find good deals for people there with, at a high level of integrity. So that's who we are. It's a long-winded no. version. <laughs> no, I, I love it because you go into a couple points that I'm actually a big fan of. And the first one was like the simplification process, right? Like making the buying easy. How can you do that? How can you differentiate? And then niching down. So a shout out to one of our sponsors on the show, Brooke Fox from Vintory. He's always told me since he, the day he met me, which has been a couple of years now, he always says, Will, it's riches and niches, riches and niches. Like it's good to expand and have this big vision, but sometimes the money is in the niche. And and that's where he's always kind of had that message with me, whether it's talking about personal stuff or business. And and I think when you decided to go that route with, you know, separating ways from your business partner, who now is probably regretting calling you crazy. But, <laughs> you know, going into this route, like I, I've seen a lot of friends, investors and influencers in our space. They go 
you know, one of their first deals is with a real estate agent or a brokerage that has no idea about short-term rentals and how hospitality works. All they care about is the sale. They don't understand cash on cash returns. They don't understand anything when it comes to like the cash flow and the lifestyle, building a property management company, whether you're a solo investor or a management, a brand, they just don't get it. And so that lack of education is, is missing. So the fact that you recognize that you recognize that the sales process was super chaotic and other type of brokerages or real estate investors, and you can simplify that and make it a very smooth transaction that like already puts you into the top 0.001% of people or business owners in general in the world, in my opinion, because those are the hardest things to do. Where did you come up with that idea? Like outside of like, you know, having a one owner invest about eight properties, but the side, the side of like simplification, was there a book, a mentorship, uh, like where did that come for you? Or was that just like, Hey, I struggle with this as a person that has seen messy transactions. I want to make it simpler for myself. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I've always had a high level of service and I think my brain trends towards solving every problem I possibly can. And eventually what I've learned is that I can't solve every problem, but I can still offer a really high level of service. So I've had clients, for instance, tell me like no agent, they, and this is an investor who's in multiple states, multiple areas. She does real estate transactions all over the country. She said we were going through her inspection. And what I do is I go line by line and we look at every yeah. single thing on there. We determine, is this an item that can be deal dealt with later? Or is this a serious issue we need to deal with now? And by the end of that, she goes, Tyler, I just want to thank you because no agent ever at all has ever gone through the inspection report with me line by line. And that really yeah. meant a lot to me because it, honestly, that wasn't even something I chose to do for me. It was just the level of service that I would want on the other end. And especially if you think about being an investor from California, you don't know the types of problems that are going to pop up in North Carolina. Like you don't know that here, one problem that we have is wet call spaces, you know? And so it's something to really focus on. But on the flip side of that, when you have an area that has a very typical common problem, there's companies on the back end that typically solve that problem for a pretty fair amount. If it's real common, they have a big business doing it. Typically, the pricing is going to be really good. So if I wasn't here in North Carolina every day and knowing that that's a problem, how am I going to know looking from California? So all we did was we really just looked at like, what does the investment process look like? And what would we want if, if we were investing across the country? Like what questions, what answers would we have to ask or want to know? the answer to if we were doing that. And so simply asking ourselves that question really led to a high level of service that we even today don't feel like is enough, you know? So we're looking at how can we improve? How can we offer an even higher level of service? And that's for me, just the way that my brain works. And we love to surround ourselves with our team who also firmly believes in the same things. Yeah. And I want to get into the like core value and the team piece in a little bit later, but you know, touching on the high level of service, I think we've seen this in multiple companies completely outside of the industry. And Amazon's a perfect example of how the customer all like I've had the best customer experience through Amazon when gift cards were stolen because my parents sent gift cards in the mail for the mm -hmm. holidays and someone saw it and took them and cashed them out and they still like refunded it. Yeah. You know, stopped their account, sent me new ones via email, like great experience there. Great experience when the items don't get shipped to the right address and it gets stolen or whatever, like stuff like that has always been there. So for you guys to do the same thing and say like, hey, we can add this high touch, high service. It's going to benefit you guys because I've heard nothing like before you and I even met before Bill Faith and anyone connected us was like, I've heard nothing about Tyler Coon, Tyler Coon, Tyler Coon. They just do great. They do great. The best properties. And then the fun thing that I realized when doing like some due diligence into your background and stuff is that you're also a property manager. So not only do you know these things when it comes to the crawl spaces or like what the investors out of state don't know, you know what it's like to see a successful property ran under a brand of a management company. So yeah. like, I think diving into that, I guess, what's your biggest application from the sale to management? Yeah. So a lot of our clients, a lot of our investors come from I would say these influencers or these gurus that are teaching people how to self-manage. And so I think one mistake that I was making in the beginning was trying to convince and trying to tell people that they should come manage with us and we were going to do a better job. 
and we were going to make them more revenue. And really what I've learned over time is that it's when you're looking at short-term rentals, if you make 25% net profit cash flow at the end of the year, like that's really good. So if I'm charging 25%, I'm really not that there's going to be no cash flow or very little cash flow left over for that owner. And so one thing that we're looking at today is we really want to be in business on the management side with second homeowners, people that want a lifestyle asset or something like that. But I still think that that management company provides a lot of value for my investors, even that are going to self-manage because one, we've got 50 properties. We're always looking for new cleaners. We're always looking for new handymen. All of the contractors, mm-hmm. all the boots on the ground stuff, we always have new lists and updated lists. So when you're cleaner quits in six months, we've got a new one for you. And it's very simple. You call us up and we give you their number. So then on top of that, we've also got the experience managing that many short-term rentals, you know? So most of my investors will probably come to me and maybe they've got six, sometimes seven is probably like the most. I don't know of anybody I've worked with that's got like more than seven or eight and we manage 50, right? So like we're managing and and operating these properties at a much higher level than any of our investors ever could, or maybe it would take them decades, right? To get to that point. Uh, And so for me, like, what does that help with? I know the seasonality better. I know the streets, like on this street, you can do short-term rentals on this street. You can't, you know, like where does city limits end for Asheville? You know, I probably know every street surrounding Asheville where city limits is right in the middle of the street, right? Because we have sold property and and managed property that's on the other side of the street. And so uh, for me, it keeps me in practice every day in short-term rentals here in the local market. Because at the end of the day, I think if I was only selling properties, I wouldn't have as much experience on the back end. And the back end, I don't think would be as in my face, right? I I wouldn't be focused on it every day. Whereas with managing property and selling property, it is in my face and it's keeping me well in practice because things do change. Seasonality changes. You know, Beach Mountain, for instance, this winter, we were really predicting, everybody was predicting an incredible winter on Beach Mountain. And for some reason, it didn't pan out. And we're trying to figure out why that is and what that looks like. And it, what's really interesting about that, and we're, we're trying to dive into the data and get the answers. And maybe we need to talk to Kenny Bedwell about that. But is, you know, why was there more money spent on short-term rentals in Beach Mountain in December and January, but people are still saying that they didn't do really well in revenue? Like what led to that if there wasn't a massive increase in, in listings? So we're asking ourselves these questions because we are part of that process every day, right? And I might not hear from those clients up there for three, four, six months. Oh yeah, we didn't do very good last winter. And maybe I was still mm-hmm. selling properties up there, right? Where now I yeah. can I can deviate from that a lot faster because we're managing properties up there and we saw it firsthand. Yeah, and the first thing that comes to mind for me is you guys are continuing the relationship beyond the sale, whether they manage with you or not. If they self-manage, at the end of the day, having that, Tyler Kuhn and his team are the resource for cleaners, for tech, for smart locks, for all these other pieces that go into it. It does add more value in the long run rather than be like, all right, thanks for buying your house. See ya. Like, you know, like, oh, call me if you're ever going to buy another one. Um, yeah, exactly. That for me is it, it takes away the transactional relationship and turning it into like a core. I'm here to bring value. I'm here to like, show you i'm keeping a pulse on the industry not just from the real estate side but from the management side because i'm sure 50 homes you probably have a property management software a lock access control maybe a noise device or two you know there's there's pieces that go into it and that's all going to go into regulation the housekeepers that you find and the contractors you hire to everything like it's going to go the full ecosystem of short-term rentals which is again i think you guys are probably the only ones that i've ever heard of in this full ecosystem rather than just a sliver of the the pie yeah yeah exactly and i think what my clients appreciate too is if they tell me they're going to sit they're going to self-manage they don't get a sales pitch from me on why we should manage their property because i've learned from from that mistake right and so we we are there to provide value after the sale a really good example. Like last week, we had one of our clients that closed maybe a month, maybe two months ago. And he called us. He said, I've been looking, I've got a problem with my hot tub. My guests are there. They want to refund. They're pissed off. And uh, I've been looking for somebody for two days. Do you have any recommendation? And so we said, next time, call us day one. So you don't go through two days of this. Mm -hmm. 
And we had somebody out within 30 minutes. And now that client's telling us like, this is my favorite guy that we work with. Like we love working with him. And we were able to help him out and get that there. We don't make any money after the sale. But what I do get is that it helps me build a reputation. And those investors, they talk to each other. And so I do get something out of it. And so I'm I'm never looking at somebody's call that I have to take and going, oh, I have to still deal with this person because maybe they're going to refer me to someone else. And so we, we do yeah. kind of create a, a really nice ecosystem that creates a win-win on both sides, right? They get people that are boots on the ground. They still get to self-manage and make the lion's share of their money. And we, in turn, create a really referable, repeatable experience where people do have you know, a really, really good time working with us. And they're like, we really want to continue that. We want to help you continue to build your business. So our clients become sure. our biggest raving fans. They become our cheerleaders. And so that's why, you know, all the time I've investors that, well, how can I trust that you're not just the next real estate agent trying to make the next sale? And I'm like, it would hurt my business so bad to sell an investment property to somebody that wasn't successful. Sign up bad cheerleaders out there. And that's why you'll never see anybody out there complaining about us because we really do as much work as we can up front. We can't solve everything. We can't predict everything, yeah. but we do as much of the hard work up front before somebody buys a property in trying to pick that property apart. If there's any reason or any inclination that we think that property is not going to really kill it, in this market, in this climate, then we're, we're going to tell them that. We're going to tell them, don't buy that property. We'll wait. We'll find the next one. And I think that's really the genius behind being in a lot of different areas is maybe there is nothing good in my market this week. So let me go send you over to Tony Bower in the Bourbon Trail of Kentucky and go check there. You know, go check there and see if there's anything cool there this week. All right, Slick Talkers. Now for another dynamic sponsored duo of the podcast, Minute and Hostfully. If you haven't heard of Minute, Minute is the number one noise and occupancy detection device for short-term rental operators just like you. From their outdoor and indoor sensors, you can ensure that with their audio ID technology that you are not getting any false positives for things like wind blowing, plates breaking, dogs barking, doorbells ringing, you name it. You will only get notified when there's an actual potential party happening on site, and that could both be indoor and outdoors, especially as we come up to spring and summer seasons. Not only that, but they have amazing integrations from smart locks and other software partners, of course, like Hostfully. Now, if you don't know about Hostfully, then Hostfully is a property management platform built for short-term rental operators to ensure that they have the best connectivity with channels like Airbnb, Verbo, and Booking.com. Not only that, but they have the best integration marketplace I've ever seen, so that way, Operators like you can choose and pick their tech stack without having to force and comply to different operations that just don't make sense for you. Plus, their digital guidebooks are the best in class and your guests will love them because all the information they need to know about check-in all the way to check-out and the destination are right there at the touch of their fingertips. Check out these special offers from our partners, both Minute and Hostfully, in order to ensure that you are getting the best value with your technology as you continue to operate your business. Back to the episode and thank you so much for tuning in to Slick Talk. I love that. I'm going to use that as a quote. It actually will hurt my business if I actually sell you something that you're not going to have crushed because I'm going to have bad cheerleaders. I love that approach and that that like mindset around it. And in this show, we're known to go deeper with our guests in the sense of their backstory and kind of upbringing and kind of the the who's Tyler Kuhn before anything, right? And I'm curious, hearing all this, you know, simplification, making a great buying process, creating a great referral ecosystem beyond the purchase and creating the good cheerleaders. What do you think has instilled that in you from your childhood growing up? Did you have parents in the industry? Were you ever in hospitality prior to this? Like, I'm kind of curious on the early days, Tyler, outside of like what we hear and see today. Yeah, it would be, uh, it would probably be somebody you didn't, wouldn't really recognize. So no, I didn't have parents in the industry. I, at a young age, went to live with my grandparents, in fact, who then went on to adopt six other kids. So I kind of feel like, uh, you know, I'm in the adoption world, although thankfully I had my grandparents there, which was really nice. Yeah. And a lot of that probably in my childhood felt out of control. And so for me, I think creating these types of really, really good experiences for my clients gives me some sense of control over the experience and kind of a sense that things need to, to run perfect and things need to be perfect for my clients, right? And so that's probably where that drive comes from. Definitely something that I would have to dive into a lot more and figure out. Yeah, that, we're not going to do a therapy session here, but 
you know, just more of the, it's always good to know. I, I come from a big family. I have two siblings who are adopted. I'm seven of seven. So being able to like kind of relate to like, you know, I always saw my dad was really hardworking. Mom was super involved in other things like with work and, and the, the family household. But in the sense of like being the seventh kid with two adopted siblings and two siblings with Down syndrome, like, you know, it, you, you definitely, ought, I recognized that when I got into hospitality, it was like, oh, like I was raised to take care of people and like be super attentive to detail and like that stuff. So it's hearing your story, you know, that a sense of controlling the environment is really interesting as like a takeaway. Would you consider you like to try to phrase this? I've been really obsessed over the last few weeks of time management and kind of like designing your life, right? Like how do you want your day to be shaped when, cause everyone talks about like work-life balance, right? And I think work-life balance is a complete missed message of, of our world right now. It's more of a, a, a life harmony in general. How are you feeling about health mentally, physically? How are you feeling about work? How are you feeling about your relationships in and outside of all your professional aspects? And with you, do you have like a certain, cause this will lead into the conversation or, or questions I have for you in, in core values, but do you have like a, a thing around a life harmony that you tried to create from that experience going into your business and your outer life now? Yeah. So it's funny that you ask about this because this is really a journey, a path that we're walking as we speak right now, trying to figure out what that looks like. Because if my, if you asked my director of operations, Brittany, she would say, I don't have a work-life balance. All I do is work. Um, so I am obsessive over making sure that that our clients all have a great experience. I pretty much work 24-7. I eat, sleep, and breathe Airbnb in Furbo and, and vacation rentals from the sales and the management side. But yeah, I think living your life by design is something that you can craft today. And I think one thing that I was considering earlier before you know we hopped on the podcast and, and talking about someone else with this actually today was that I enjoy what I do. So for me, it's yeah. not that I have to craft a work-life balance. I don't mind it so much. I can probably take some more time off and, and maybe focus on some other hobbies. But for me, I love what I do. I love crunching yeah. numbers. I love finding an investment property for a client that's going to kill it. Like that drives me and, and that really, really motivates me. But uh, yeah, my firm Keller Williams right now, there's a big push towards living your life by design, time management, all of that. So we're dialed into time management. My calendar is blue blocks from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. But that's what it takes to grow, you know? And I think yeah. if, I, if I want to achieve what we're aiming to achieve, it's going to take that sort of dedication. So we're making the sacrifices right now to build something later on that can be really, really special for, for our clients. And so I have a lot of passion surrounding it. I'm not money motivated. The money doesn't hurt, but you know, for me, it's, it's all about building something. My culture index specifically says a few things. And, and this, mm -hmm. what the first one is I prefer, it says, uh, this person prefers data over people. And so <laughs> as a real estate agent, you're like, man, that doesn't really apply to most real estate agents. And which is why I niched down into short-term rentals and I loved it. And I was really successful at it. My clients are real successful as well, because I really do dive deep into the data. And the second thing that it names me is as an architect, a visionary. And there's a lot of detriment to that word that I, I don't think most people would understand or know until they start Googling that figuring out how yeah. organized I am. And I need other people to kind of come in and clean up my ideas. Uh, yeah. Oh, is that, is that rocket fuel? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, literally get this book rocket fuel. It will break it down. I was in tears reading the visionary chapter. I was like, why have I never had this in words in my life? Like it just makes sense. You know, dude, it is that book changed everything for me. And I read it about six months ago. And so my director of operations, Brittany is my integrator and we're kind of working yes. through what this looks like right now. But if you're out there, listeners, if you're out there and you feel like you're the person with all the ideas, but you struggle to execute because you're, you can go down the path, you can walk the path, but then sometimes there's a shinier path over here. Go read the book yes. Rocket Fuel. It will change your life. It will make you feel seen in a way that you didn't before. And you will stop hating the parts of yourself <laughs> that, that turn you into that individual and you will then the first thing you need to do is go find your integrator and your business. That is 
I dropped everything. I stopped doing anything else in my business. I kept up sales, but I dropped everything and just started interviewing until I found Brittany. And that was a big change. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in that exact process where I'm like, I'm going to focus on sales, but everything else, my team is more than capable of doing. I just need to be able to stop saying, or the whiplash where it's like, all right, now we're going to go this way. Now we're going to try this. Now we're going to yeah. do this. Now we're going to go big. And like, everyone's just like, wait, what's the real mission and like drive for, for us right now? So uh, it's such a great book, but going back into like what you were saying on your, your culture index and be like data focused over people. You know, I think it's super crazy on how this industry specifically has created so many entrepreneurs that never fit into a nine to five without knowing that they could create their own thing, right? Like I never got exposed into the word entrepreneur until I was 22. So it was like, okay, I just thought Amazon and all these buildings were existed. They just were there. Like no yeah. one created it. It's just it's been a company. It's a company. They have a CEO. Get it. Cool. But getting into this industry and how it's been able to create so many entrepreneurs and so many niches that all have this weird harmony together and going back into like what you're saying with work-life balance, I personally am like you. I don't look at my schedule and say, okay, I'm up at five and I have to go to the gym and I have to do this call at eight and I have to do this team meeting and I work all the way till 9 p.m. and I'm just exhausted and I hate this whole thing. Like, I love that. I've designed my life to be that way because like you said, in order to grow, in order to like achieve the things you want, you have to put in that work up front, but you also love it. So it doesn't feel like work. Like, yeah, it could be exhausting and there's things that you have to do to take care of yourself and make sure you're healthy and you know, setting kind of like that expectation. But at the end of the day, it's by design by you. It's not by design by your parents or your friends yeah. or colleagues who are like, I want you to do this and you're working too much. And it's like, no, I love it. I, I'd love to work. Like I, I want to keep doing this. Yeah. So for anyone listening, when we're talking about like designing your life, we're not talking like go grind your face off and, and put in all the blood, sweat and tears until you can't anymore. It's more of like find something that you truly feel is fueling and what's the word like giving you energy rather than draining it so yeah yeah that's uh yeah. the most important piece but yeah definitely agree and i think you know it's so true they say like go find what you love to do and i think what you know there's this saying out there for a leader to hire fast fire fast i think that yeah. individuals need to hire themselves faster and fire themselves faster if they find they don't really like what they're doing you know Agreed. like go out Agreed. there and try a million different things until you find what you love, you know, and then do that every day. And that's why I, you know, when people say I need a better work-life balance, I tend to agree with them, but I also don't mind at all because I love what I do and I'm okay sacrificing a few years to do this, to build what we want to build. And for me, it's really about building something a little bit more unique. You know, I think if we're going to go into a conversation and start talking about core values, that is what really drove me to want to expand was that, you know, I heard that other investors out there were not happy with their investment experience with the agents that they worked with. And to me, I saw this is a hole I can fill. One, I'm really good at it. Two, I really like it. And three, I'm really good at building systems and, and building a company around a space that there's a need, there's a hole to fill right in this space. And so for me, that's what it was really all about. And it worked really well inside my personal growth trajectory too. I wasn't born a saint. You know, I don't think anyone is. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, yeah. with, with what I was born into, and I really had an awful scarcity mindset. And so kind of fighting that every day, uh, beating the scarcity mindset into an abundant mindset has been, uh, you know, a lot of growth for me. And so living with integrity was hard for me, but it's really, re I think it's even more rewarding because I had to work so hard at it. And now I, I want to rep, I've attained it. I feel like we live it every day and I want, I never want to lose that, you know? So that's really cool for me. I love that. And Michael, my editor, if you can add an applause sound into that part right there, like that would be, that would be awesome. Cause I, I totally agree. And I think, ah, uh, man, we can go so deep into this, but with you, you kind of mentioned a couple of things from integrity to the core values and and build and what you're building. So uh, we've kind of covered your past and where you guys are at now and and how you've built Savvy today and what your your whole vision is. What is the future? What are you building towards? Is it to be a broker? Is it to build a technology? What is your 
go from like the business and also your personal life. Like what does Tyler do in 20 years? Are you still building companies? Are you still with this company? Do you sell? Like what's your, what's your big vision for it from one visionary to another? I would love to know. <laughs> yeah. So on, uh, on the work side, the goal for Savvy Realty at the end of the day is to have agents across America. And of course, we'll be in the vacation rental markets, you know, the Gatlinburgs, the Gulf Shores, all over Florida, things like that. But I really see a need for agents in South Bend, Indiana, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, right? In these places where, no, is there 10,000 Airbnb selling a year? There's not. But there doesn't need to be 10,000. We don't need to be at 10,000 sales a year. That's crazy anyways. We need to be at 50, right? We need an agent to be at 50 and they're really, really successful that way. And so I think that the best revenues are going to be found in middle America. I think that's where you're going to see the best purchase prices. You're going to see less oversaturation. You're going to see Airbnbs that fall off the market and sell back to primary home buyers, which is areas that I really like to be in. And so for Savvy, it's really about having an agent in every local market in America that knows what they're doing with short-term rentals. And not only knows what they're doing, but exclusively sells short-term rentals. They don't do anything else because that's too distracting. I feel like, honestly, I should have a different real estate license than other agents do, that there should be additional qualifications because we really do go deep in depth on the financials. On the personal I think end- that's definitely something you should do, 100%. Yeah. It makes total sense to me. You do that. Yeah, yeah. Create it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Create it. That's, that's what we're, uh, we're focusing on doing on the, uh, personal side. Yeah. My goal is to be the best leader that I can be for my teams and definitely still working in this business or on this business in 20 years. Uh, I think eventually the natural shift will be from sales to coaching others into sales. Mm. And so I'm doing the, the hard work right now to learn who am I, right? Who, what do yeah. I stand for? What's my big why? Why am I doing this, right? And I think I'm not afraid to say that I don't know what my big why is yet today. <laughs> I think a lot of people struggle to say that. They maybe want to say, well, I want to do it for my family. I want to do it for my friends. You know, for me, I came into life, into my adult life, wanting to prove something to the world. And eventually that morphs, right? And that starts to change. Yeah. Cool. And, uh, so the path that I'm walking today is learning who I am so that I can help other people discover who they are. And I'm not there yet. That's, I think that'll be, you know, call me in a decade, but that's, that's the path that I think I'm on today. Well, and I love that because at the end of the day, it shows like the hospitality aspect of, you know, we are people that take care of others. And when you have that mindset of like, I'm here to serve, I'm here to do that. But like, I can see that kind of being part of your why. It's like, I may not know the why now, but my why is I want to show people that discovering yourself in the way that you've never been able to is super important. Because I, I know for myself, the one thing I've always said in the past and any of the listeners of the podcast have listened over the last year or so, I've heard me talk about this, is like when I quit living my life off of the expectations of others, I was supposed to be a pastor. I was supposed to go to Bible college. I was supposed to be preaching to the thousands and you know doing that every Sunday. And that was what was put on me through my whole life. And then getting into the point when I experienced one freedom of, I pay my own bills. I don't have to depend on mom and dad. And I can choose to have the intrusive thoughts of like, I can drop a plate right now and no one would care. Like, great. It can, I can live off of that kind of expectation of myself. That's when everything changed. And that's when I was like, wow, I don't struggle with depression as much anymore. I don't struggle with anxiety. I don't have this constant fear of like remembering what I said to so-and-so because they wanted me to say, it or I knew that's what they'd want me to say rather than saying what I felt or, or thought. So it's, it's a completely like freeing thing. It's just also, like you said, it's hard to say, right? It's hard to say, I don't know yeah. what my why is right. Like it's hard to have that piece of vulnerability because maybe like you said earlier, you know, you like to have that piece of control. Like you want to control your environment. And so to be able to not have the control of what my why is, is hard to put out there. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of pieces that can go into it. And we can get again super in the weeds. But the, the hospitality oh, yeah. FM therapy sessions. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but I think Seriously. It's so, I mean it's so good to talk about, you know, because the the normal discussion I think is, you know, out there all the time in short-term rentals. And I think there should be a bigger focus on mindset because you yeah. know, there was an event that we went to for Keller Williams 
two, three weeks ago called Family Reunion, and they do it every year. And man, they just pounded it in. It's mindset, 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 mindset. Anybody can learn skills, but to be able to execute on those skills, you have to have the, the right positive mindset, right? And so it, mm-hmm. it takes more than just learning the skills or practicing the skills. You have to have the right mindset too. So I think that's really important in investing because you have to go into it with the right mindset. So looking at it from how are your guests going to enjoy the space that they're in? How are they going to react looking at the listing? You know, do they get a positive feeling when they're looking at the listing or the photos? So there are ways that you can apply it in short-term rental investing. And I think, you know, even throughout a real estate transaction, for instance. And so, you know, one thing for me that I find really interesting, there are all of these gurus out there and everybody's teaching you how to host. And that's great. And I think you should be a good host. Like that's obviously incredibly important. And it's what makes you money over time. But what is the setup of all that? Like you can't be a good host with a bad property. It's not going to matter. And so it all begins with the acquisition. It all begins with the real estate in and of itself. And a lot of that is based in repairs and updates, the quality and condition of the house before it's even a short-term rental, while it's still the real estate. It's about investing in a market that's still going to continue to see appreciation and staying away from areas like the West Coast that are seeing massive depreciation right now. Like there's a massive exodus out of Arizona right now. And I was talking to somebody the other day, they're like, yeah, we're, we're about to buy one in Arizona. And I'm like, are you crazy? Like they're now, they don't know how they're going to get water in a decade. Like why you're buying real estate on a 30 year note. They don't even know how they're going to have water in a decade. What are you, are you crazy? So for me, like I'm really bullish on the East coast for that reason, you know, and I'm telling everybody like, this is is a major reason to continue investing in the East coast. You know, like everything follows tech and tech is moving to the East coast. Tech is moving to Raleigh, you know? Tech yeah, is moving yeah. to the, the Durham area and the North Carolina East East Market. And so what is going to build those regional drive-in destinations on the East Coast is going to be that tech sector. That's going to be years and years and years of additional people. I would say there's a reason that three of the top states that had the most net movers in last year, which is North Carolina, South Carolina, and Tennessee, are three of the most investable states for short-term rentals. Not only is the cash flow really, really good if you buy in the right area, but your asset is still going to continue to appreciate. And I don't think enough people are paying attention upfront to the acquisition being the most important part of hosting because a good host can't be a good host with a bad property. Yeah. You can't put makeup on a pig and be like, it's great. It's, it's, this is beautiful. Look at it. It's, it, yeah, not the way this works. I always used to tell people, especially when talking to, Mariah Kamei at AirDNA just being like, hey, look, I've had so many people come up to me and because we have a management company too. They're like, oh, this property would be great for Airbnb and short-term rentals. And I look at it like, actually, no, you should not even consider that. The property is not worth it from a hospitality standpoint, from an operation standpoint, from a market standpoint, from just like the real estate asset standpoint should not be considered. Not every property needs to be an STR. And yeah. that's why I love what you're like, what you're talking about is like, this is a great industry to get into if you're looking for financial freedom, if you're looking for that lifestyle cash flow or business, but also understanding like, again, like I think you said it perfectly is you can't put, you can't turn something that's not a well property into a good property, no matter how great of a host you are. So yeah. understanding like, you know, people like you and working with your team is the right way to go when it comes to acquisition in the sense of you're not going to buy a pig to put makeup on. You're going to buy a beautiful peacock that's going to be ready to fly and show its feathers, you know? So maybe a peacock might not not be the. (laughs) I think there, there's so much that adds up to that, you know, like don't just look like historical revenues are really important to look at, but they're not the only factor. You know, figure out what the future drivers of revenues are going to be. Is the asset going to appreciate? Is it going to be set apart from all the saturation? Where is the saturation point? You know, what is the growth and the number of listings in the last four quarters, right? Because, you know, there's all this talk out there about 2021 was the best year ever and it was a total anomaly. You're never going to repeat it. And in fact, like for most areas, 2022 is actually the best year ever. 2023 will be the best year ever. And there's a couple of factors that are doing that. One, you have massive inflation. And what does inflation do? It's pushing up all costs. Airbnbs are not 
for some reason segmented out of that. So ADRs are going to be up eight, nine, 10% by the end of the year. It's going to happen just like eggs are going to get more expensive. It's just natural. So you're going to continue making more and more money. So what you have to pair that with though is not just, oh, well, this property is going to do really well in cash flow or you know there's going to be a lot of revenue in this market. But what does it look like from new listings compared to new lists? So if you're looking at, you know, 20% new revenue in a market last year, well, where do new listings fall there? Was, was there a 25% addition of new listings? Then that means there's less money per listing. If there was 15%, that means there's more money per listing. It's very, very simple to figure that information out and then start identifying a market. So this would be a shout out for Kenny Bedwell at STR Insights and the STR Nomics podcast, I think would be a really good listen for that because there's so many more features. There's so many more layers, I think, of investing than just what is revenue going to be or what was historical revenue, especially like, oh my God, all these people on Facebook, every time they're like, you know, somebody posts an Airbnb for sale. And they're like, I want to know what the actuals were for last year. And I'm like, what? Nobody's selling a cash flowing, a positively cash flowing asset. They're not going to, no. especially if they bought it in the last few years at two and a half percent interest. What they're not going to sell that thing. So you have to look at the property and figure out what is the potential of this property? Is there any potential? I'm not saying that you should buy a shitty property if the numbers are bad and the numbers can't be improved, but you still should take a look and figure out, can they be improved, right? Because a lot of times when people are selling those, there is a lot of potential. You might be passing up a really good deal. You might be passing up the deal of the century by not actually diving in. So go look at the comps and find out why didn't it perform. Maybe in that market, an area like Beach Mountain, you don't have a hot tub, you are not performing. It is literally the difference between doing well or doing really, really, really bad. And why? Because there's mm. four listings up there with hot tubs. And if you're the only one that doesn't have one, why would anybody ever book your place, no matter how nice it is in any other way, right? You are missing a required amenity. I told somebody the other day, it's like, it would be like having a short-term rental and not having any beds. Like, of course, nobody's going to book your property. Yeah. It's totally required. And so looking at what does it take to add a hot tub, that is such a simple fix. And then, you know, just looking at the design, the furniture that's there, like, it is clear to me when you look at different markets, you know, you update a property and you can potentially do double what everyone around you can. So I would stop yeah. looking at properties through this lens of historical revenues and just discredit it from the beginning. I am not telling you, once again, I'm going to repeat this for all the haters that are out there that are going to say he's trying to force us to buy crappy properties because he wants to sell more real estate. I'm not. I'm just saying give it a deeper look, right? Go look through the cogs, yeah. look through the market, and really determine because I don't think that just because an Airbnb did 50000 last year, that it's not possible for it to do 100000 this year because we have seen that happen dozens and dozens of times. Dozens of times. That's almost exclusively what we sell. We sell a lot of stuff that somebody did a really bad job decorating and it's got grandma and grandpa's dusty furniture in it and it doesn't have a hot tub. <laughs> and it didn't capitalize on the space that they've got. Maybe there's an empty garage. They don't have a game room. Convert that thing to a game room, right? Add the amenities and the features and values. And you figure those out by comparing what the best Airbnbs are doing in that local micro market, in that town. What features and amenities do they have? Can you add those and can you beat them? So I don't know. That's a big tirade on, on all these people that are so stuck on the financials and you see these people yeah. selling Airbnbs and it's hundreds of comments that say, send me the financials and nobody is doing the hard work. If you don't want to do the hard work, we will do the hard work for you. If you want to come by in Kentucky, North Carolina, Georgia, South Carolina, or Tennessee, we will do that hard work for you. We will teach you. We will show you. Uh, we are not afraid to open up the curtain and let you see the Wizard of Oz in the background. And if it doesn't make sense to you, that's okay. We'll move on to another property. But uh, we're, yeah. we're happy to go in and help you do that work. I love that. That's so good. That's so good. I have nothing to add because that was perfectly bowed up and tied up. So one part I didn't tell you pre-recording is we've been doing a new thing this year with the podcast, uh -oh. trying to tie in. It's a good thing. I think you'll like it. <laughs> it. We're trying to tie all the interviews in together somehow or shape or form without really, I don't know. It's not like everyone knows each other in the industry. It's a big industry, but it's also a small one. So at the end of every episode, I asked my guests a question from the guest before you without telling you who they were. So I will tell you who they are now because I didn't tell you before the whole podcast <laughs> recording and all that stuff. But um, then at the end of your answer, you're able to ask a question for the next guest without me telling you 
who's scheduled to be recorded, if that makes sense. So we have the question from Julia, who was on the show with her her boyfriend, and they bought a property out in Canada and turned it into a complete amazing STR retreat. And so the question has nothing to do with the industry, by the way, it has nothing to do with work, could be completely random. So her question to you would be, what is your biggest ick in life? What's something that just like you hear or you see and you're just like, uh, man, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And, uh, and then you can ask a question for the next person. You know, what's so funny is I actually just went over this and it's probably because it really is my pet peeve in this industry for investors. And uh, honestly, it really is send me the financials, send me the financials, send me the financials. I'm not saying don't look at them. You should get that, but you should go deeper than that, right? Like find the drivers of that market, find the drivers for that house, the features, values, and amenities that that property needs to compete. And if it can't, I'm not saying every property can, they definitely, you will discredit a lot of properties that way and you should, but like, that's what it takes to, to find the good investments nowadays. They're not as visible as they used to be, right? You have to yeah. dig deeper to find those properties. Um, so that would be my, please send me the financials. Tyler at yahoo.com. I'm like, oh, gross, not again. <laughs> 400, I love it. please send me the financials. I love it. And for your question, not knowing who I have scheduled after you to to record, what would your question be? It could be anything related to the industry. It could be anything personal. It could be an ick question. It could be anything, anything under the sun. Yeah, my question, I guess, for that person would be is, if you know, then what is your big why? Why do you do mm -hmm. what you do? And I think that would be really interesting to listen to. So you got another listener for next week. I'll be on, figure out who it is. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Making sure I was like, you don't listen already? Come on, Tyler. <laughs> Just kidding. But no, that's super good. I, I like that question and it's uh goes into the theme of the show. So I appreciate it. Well, Tyler, so that was our usually wrap-up question, but I always give another one for for all of our audience to figure out like how they can learn more about you or reach out to you. So the last question is if anyone's listening right now, they're a short-term rental investor, an operator, anything under the sun, and they want to get in touch with you or your team. What's the one link you would put in the show notes for them to immediately grab and reach out and connect with you? Yeah, yeah. Or agents. If you're an agent and you want to either break into the short-term rental business or you are in the short-term rental business and you want us to make marketing really easy for you, calendly.com slash Tyler Kuhn, T-Y-L-E-R-C-O-O-N. Come book a call with me. I like to get personal with my audience. And so we literally just do one-on-one -on -one calls with people all day long whether that's evaluating property, buying in one of our markets, whatever it is, uh, leave some notes there. Let me know what you're wanting to chat about, whether you're an agent or an investor, uh, calendly.com slash Tyler. I love it. And I have that link already. So anyone listening, it will be in the show notes. Make sure you grab it, schedule some time. And Tyler, my friend, it's been a pleasure to really chat with you and chop it up and get to know your story a little bit more outside of the work we already do together. So I really appreciate you joining me on Slick Talk today. And I look forward to many more and meeting you in Nashville. Yeah, yeah, you too, man. Excited to see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoyed the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week.